Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Method Podcast, where we interview independent and self-published authors on their processes and how they can help you on your writing journey. I am your host, best-selling and award-winning author, Andrew J. Brandt. Before we get to our interview today, this episode of the Indie Author Method is brought to you by Boardwalk Shirts. Founded in Los Angeles, Boardwalk is an artist-owned and operated apparel brand offering a fun selection of gifts and apparel for men, women, and kids. Their products are designed and hand-printed in their L.A. headquarters using eco-friendly inks. Check out their selection. My, my favorite design is honestly, and one you'll see me wearing mostly in my Instagram posts, is that support your local library tee. Plus, get 10% off your next Boardwalk order using promo code Indie at BoardwalkShirts.com. That's promo code Indie at BoardwalkShirts.com. This episode is also brought to you by Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. We believe that bookstores are essential to a healthy culture. They are where authors can connect with readers, where we discover new writers in which children get hooked on the thrill of reading that can last a lifetime. They're also anchors for our downtowns and our communities. As there are more and more people buying their books online, Bookshop.org wanted to create an easy, convenient way for you to get your books and support bookstores at the same time. You see, Bookshop.org has given away over $18 million and over 75% of their profit margin to stores, publications, authors like myself, and others who make a thriving, inspirational culture around books. I know for me personally, I haven't bought a book from the big, big store, you know what I'm talking about, in a very long time. For me, it's important that we cultivate and support our local independent bookstores. Whenever I'm shopping for books online, I always go to bookshop.org, and you can too, and also support this podcast by shopping at bookshop.org slash shop slash writerbrand. That's me, bookshop.org slash shop slash writerbrand. Links to both Boardwalk and bookshop.org will be posted in the show notes. Now, on to the interview. This week on the show, I'm joined by Colorado-based independent author K.W. Davis. She's a mystery writer who writes thrilling, sensual, and scandalous mystery stories. She's currently writing a story called Terrell Tragedy, which she posts each chapter for free on her blog. It's an interesting and captivating form of serialized storytelling that harkens back to Dickens or Dumas. We'll get into her writing process, how she fell in love with the mystery genre, and what advice she has for the aspiring author. KW, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm good. Thank you so much for hopping on with me today for, for this episode of The Indie Author Method. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm like super excited. I've listened to podcasts for years. And I was like, oh, it'd be so fun to actually get interviewed. And here I am being and interviewed. Here we are. So thank you. You're welcome. You know, for me, this this platform is here to amplify the voices of the self-published, the independent authors, the ones who, you know, take not only the storytelling aspects, but the marketing aspects, the, you know, writing everything, their, you know, cover designs, everything that has to take place in being a self-published author. And like I said, amplifying those voices. So uh, again, I'm, I'm really happy that you're on with me. Yeah, absolutely. I think honestly, some of the best research you can do is listen to podcasts and get other people's experience. And then you learn from them. You take their advice. So no, I think this is an awesome platform. So I am very honored to be here. Well, let's get into it then. 
when did you know you wanted to be a writer? As, as you've listened to the show, you know this is the first question. What made you want to become a, an author? Well, I'm glad you asked. I uh, took a couple notes, you know, just in case. So I feel like every writer says this, but it just seems that whenever you're a kid, you kind of figure out what your passions are. So when I was eight years old, I started journaling, um, and I was kind of inspired by Little House on the Prairie and the Dear America book series. Do you remember those? I do remember those. I wasn't really a reader of them, but I definitely remember seeing them in the scholastic book fairs. Yeah, I think it was more targeted towards girls, so I understand. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I was like totally convinced that people want to read about this small farm town kid from Southwest Colorado. So I just documented pretty much everything. And, you know, as an eight-year-old, you're like, oh, I have a crush on this boy or this happened in class today. Um, But then I would also get super excited about certain topics in school. Like when we learned about the Civil, Civil War, I was so excited and so fascinated that I did so much research about the under. Ground Railroad, Harriet Tubman. Um, I even watched Gone with the Wind. And it sparked something in me, and I wanted to write a story. And so I did like a short story when I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11. And then the same thing happened with Titanic. Got super fascinated with it, did lots of research, and then I wrote another short story. And ever since then, I think I just realized that I love to write and I finally picked it back up in 2018. So now I'm here writing again, and it's very exciting. Okay. I'm actually really glad to hear that I was not the only one that was completely obsessed with the sinking of the Titanic when I was in grade school. I know. what I mean, like, why was it so fascinating to us? Was it because of the movie? Well, and that's the thing. It was before the movie for me, because the movie came out in, like, 97. I was, like, eight years old. So this is 93, 94 and I remember going to the library, and I don't even remember like how I heard about it, but I heard about this this giant boat that was said to be unsinkable, and it sank. And I was like, no way. This is, cannot be real. And my grandmother was a librarian, and that actually worked out to my favor because anytime that I said, like, I'm really interested in X, you know, Noah's Ark or UFOs or dragons or whatever, my grandmother would, would find me just a stack of books. And that's what I would do after school is hang out at the library. And she would hand me these books of these, all these things I was interested in. But one of those was definitely the Titanic. And I went from the children's section, from a couple of picture books, to the adult and the reference sections, like finding stuff in the encyclopedias. I was completely obsessed with this damn boat. I know. I, I'm the exact same way. I just I think mine was sparked, though, by uh, the movie. So, yeah, but Titanic is fascinating. And also, you have a really <laughs> cool grandma. I wish I had a... A grandma that was a librarian. <laughs> I did. I did have a really cool grandma. Yeah, she she was a librarian at, at our small like city library, and I had parents that either cared enough or didn't care at all. Like I'm still not sure which one, but it was not uncommon for me to like get up at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, during the summer, and I would ride my bicycle to the library, and I would spend all day there. And I would find books on like dragons or wizards or Star Wars or any of that kind of stuff. You know, my grandmother worked there, of course. But yeah, I mean, I was I was gone like from the ages of 10 to 13, 14 years old every single day. That's cool. Yeah, I love hearing that. Is that what got you into writing then was just reading so much as a kid? 
Oh yeah, I was definitely a reader as a kid. Um, and part of that, you know, like I said, my, my grandmother had a lot to do with that, who, you know, she made it easy for me to find materials on the things that I was, I was always like, and I still am kind of a serial obsessive. And, you know, anytime I found something that sparked my interest, she would say, well, you know, the library has this and this and this on that. And so she would help me, you know, look in the card catalog and, and then the other librarians too, you know, this precocious 10 year old boy would come in and, and they would treat me like any other reader. I mean, they, they treated me with respect and I wasn't used to being treated with respect at 10 years old. And they showed me how to use the card catalog and, and showed me where to find reference materials. And, and so I, you know, I made my way through the children's library and then made my way through the adult library. But it was probably when I was like 12 years old, 13 years old, I discovered star Wars books and I was a oh. big fan of the movies. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> Big fan of the movies. And then I discovered that there were books like that furthered the adventures of Luke Skywalker past the movies. And I just devoured every single one of them in, in the library. Okay, you need to talk to my husband because he absolutely is obsessed about Star Wars too. And he's read a ton <laughs> of the series. That's so funny. So you two can like nerd out on them together and I'll sit there and be like, wow, this is fascinating. No, just kidding. I like it to an extent. I've just never read them. So... The movies are good, though. What were some of the like stories or series that you grew up with that, that, that influenced you and still influence you to this day? I was really into like the Magic Treehouse book series. Um, Hank the Cow Dog was a really popular one. Oh um, man, I loved Hank the Cow Dog. I know, and like looking back, I'm kind of like, man, it was it was kind of poorly written, but at the same time, it hooked young readers and it got him so excited for the next book to come out that I'm like, did it really matter if it was poorly written? Cause I didn't realize it until I got into college and my professor kind of pointed it out and I was like, what? I was obsessed with those books. So that's kind of the yeah, same with like the goosebumps books. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. If you go back and read those goosebumps books as an adult, they're not the best written books on the planet. Well, I noticed that like R.L. Stein he would end every single chapter with this this cliffhanger, like, and then a hand came out from the darkness. But then you turn the pages, like, it was my brother, and he was hiding in the closet. Like, you, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You're like, you tease. See, I was I was kind of a scaredy cat when I was younger, so I couldn't read any of the goosebumps because it scared me. But like now, I'm so obsessed with Stephen King that I'll just stay up super late reading it. And then, you know, to an extent, I may still be scared, but I can handle it better now that I'm older. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask, knowing you're from Colorado, I, we're recording this in mid-January. I'm just hoping that you're nowhere near the Overlook Hotel. No, you know, I really want to visit. Um, the Overlook or the Stanley Hotel so bad. I want to go take a ghost tour and everything. But I just haven't made it up to Estes Park yet. But, um, you know, Stephen King having the book The Shining based off of that hotel, um, mm -hmm. his inspiration came from there. I'm like, yes, I need to make it up there. But I still haven't. Um, not yet. It is on my bucket list, though. We took a trip when I was 18 years old. Uh, to Estes Park, and we kind of did this whole Colorado thing. It was right after I graduated high school, and yeah, went up went up in that area, and definitely, definitely spooky place. Did you request that? Were you like, hey, I graduated high school, so I want to go to the Stanley Hotel? No, no. We just uh, went on this whole, like, Colorado tour. You know, we started in Colorado Springs and then made our way up to Denver. At the time, I was way more into music than I was into literature, and so, like, getting to see a band called From Autumn to Ashes in a 
club in downtown Denver was like the pinnacle of the trip for me. <laughs> Very exciting. You didn't go <laughs> to Red Rocks? No, we did not go to Red Rocks. Oh, no. Okay. It looks like you got to make another trip out. I mean, if you you liked that downtown location, then you would love the Red Rocks Amphitheater. So you have to come back for that. So let's uh, let's get back on, uh, on the track here. You grew up reading. You grew up writing stories. When was it, you know, as an adult, you said you came back to it in like 2018. What was it that made you say, okay, I'm ready to do this for real? Um, great question. So I remember it was like New Year's Eve of 2018. And uh, my husband and I, we were kind of reflecting back on the year. We just bought a home. We just got married. And, you know, he's kind of like asking me these hard questions being like, okay, you're a secretary. Is that what you want to do the rest of your life? And I was like, oh man, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, yes, maybe. And then he was like, well, what are some other passions you have? And I said, well, I, I really like to write because I was really into reading then. Um, and he said, well, why don't you explore writing a little bit? So I started writing like a garden blog and because uh, those were really popular, I feel like back in like 2016 through 2018. And okay. I realized I am not a blog writer. Like it's so <laughs> interesting how like certain writing forms are very tailored to very specific personalities, I think. And I just did not fit that blogger um, lifestyle. And I was like, man, I want to write a novel, but it's such a huge project. Um, and then finally, that summer of 2018, I must have had a rough day at work. So during my lunch break, I just opened up that Word document and started writing my first novel. And ever since then, I've written, okay, so I've started three other novels and never finished them. And now I'm on my fifth novel and I'm really excited because I know I'm going to finish this one. So my first and my fifth, I am going to self-publish this year. Oh, wow. So you heard it here first. That's right. This is exclusive. Yes. Yeah, so I hope you're going to hold me accountable. Well, actually, I think it's really important to understand for a lot of aspiring authors that even for me, I mean, I have at least a dozen of these start-stop story ideas on my laptop, you know, anywhere from, goodness, you know, a few hundred uh, thousand words to upwards of like 30,000 word abandoned projects. I mean, I have, I have one book that's completely handwritten in a notebook that's just shelved at this point. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really important that it's okay for some of these things to go abandoned for a bit. They're, they're good tools to hone your craft so that you can eventually finish that, that one idea, you know? Yeah. And I kind of learned, so like I said, I love listening to podcasts and I love hearing about different writing process and advice and like marketing strategies. So I was hearing lots of voices saying, Hey, this is how I should write. You know, I should write to a specific audience or I should have a book series to be a successful indie author. So I listened to that and I kind of experimented with it, but then I realized that's not my writing voice. Um, and so I feel like with this current book that I'm writing, um, it's a little bit more on point and very similar to my first novel where it's got that kind of dark humor. It's witty. It's got like a dash of erotica in it. And it's just been refreshing to get back to my writing voice and kind of muted out the other voices because that, that's what those other novels were, was 
what somebody was telling me and not what I was listening to myself. Yeah, you know, and there is a ton of information out there coming from a ton of different voices uh, yeah. and a ton of different perspectives. And you'll hear, you know, some people say, well, you know, you got to write to a market. Uh, you know, you find mm-hmm. what's popular and you write to that. Or, you know, you have to have an ongoing series to make it as an independent author. And honestly, at least in my experience, both of those things are not something that I do. Mm, okay. I don't write to I don't write to market. I don't write a series, at least now, not at this point. I just write stories that I find interesting, that I, I that I find captivating, and hoping that other people will too. Yeah, I just feel if I stay true to myself and if I'm patient with the process and I still show up every day for my writing, then over time, my readers will find me and I will find them and we'll have a great connection. And sometimes I think you just get in your head, especially the business side, because there's a lot more business to an indie author than the traditional route. Um, you know, the business side, you're like, okay, look at the numbers, look at the stats. Are you marketing? And sometimes I think you need to just focus on what really matters and that's writing and publishing those books. I can't write to a market like that. I just, I cannot put my soul into a story that I'm not 100% invested in myself. Oh, yeah. Have, how long have you been an indie author for? Um, the Treehouse, my first completed novel, was published in 2018. So almost four years now. And you never want to go the traditional route? You're very happy with indie? I'm currently signed a, a book deal to a, a small independent press. But I love I love indie publishing in general. I love having the hands-on aspect to it. I love having hands-on with the marketing. Coming from a background in digital and web marketing anyway, this is kind of my wheelhouse. And so to take things I'm passionate about and to present those online to an audience and find an audience, I mean, that's it's what I do. Yeah, and you have way more control and power, I feel like, with indie authoring. So... Good. And and don't forget about that 70% royalty rate from Amazon. I know. I mean, can you pass that up? No. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's a lot of understanding like how much of the work am I willing to put on my own shoulders for that royalty rate? You know, a traditionally published author who just hands in a manuscript and then, you know, the rest of the publishing process goes, you know, to an agent and then to a publisher. They're only making on the back end, you know, the the author eight, nine, maybe 10%. Uh, whereas an independent author with without that publishing house behind them, they get to keep all that. So it's how much work and effort are you going to put into it to get that, to make that 70% work for you? Yeah. And I think it was, um, Lindsay, didn't you interview her and she was kind of like your second or third episode. Is that correct? Lindsay is her name? Lindsay, Jesse Anowski. Yes. Yeah. I love how she was like, um, I get to control my deadlines. Like I don't have anything, you know, there's nothing rigorous or strict about it. And if I want to publish one or two books that year, great. If I want to publish more, then I have the control of that. And I'm like, I love that mindset where it's like I get to determine how many books I'm going to create and how many I'm going to publish. Well, you know, and with with the barriers of entry lowered to the point where they are too, uh, a couple of things happen. One is you have readers who, you know, subscribe to, let's say, Kindle Unlimited or the Libby app on their phone or Libro FM or Audible. And it doesn't matter to them if the book is from a major publisher or not. They just want to find and read good content. 
you know, it's not uncommon for some of these readers, especially like in the romance genre. I mean, these whale readers will go through a book a day and they want the next one and they want the next one and they'll find something else that they love. Oh, a hundred percent. There's yeah, it's a great market. So might as well uh, explore and take advantage of it. See, I'm at the point where I'm reviewing and editing my first novel, but I've got to figure out um, like where to find an editor or how to get a book cover design. So I'm still kind of in that process of the next step. I know Readsy is a really good um, kind of platform that offers those kind of services, but I don't know like the technical behind the scenes of actually uploading the correct format to Amazon so that it does come across as like a Kindle version and stuff. So I'm going to have to dive a little deeper. Do you like have any resources? Um, like, is there a book out there that's very targeted towards indie authors? I'm curious. You know, I haven't really found a like a one-stop shop book or anything like that, especially for that process, until the Indie Author Method book comes out. Oh! <laughs> but um, for me, the biggest piece of software that I use is a, is a program called Vellum. Um, again, you know, my first book came out in 2018. I started writing just in like Google Docs and through trial and error, formatted it into an ebook and then a paperback and, and, it, and it sucked at first and it was not a good product and I had to go back and, and do it over and do it again. And so it took, you know, three or four tries to get to the point where my book looked good on a shelf. But now, four years in, I say that I'm really good at writing a first draft which means I'm really good at writing a messy first draft. You know, whenever I first started, it was really important to me that that first draft be just absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I'll have, you know, 30 or 40 handwritten pages over here and 20,000 words in a Word document over here. And whenever I finally finish the novel and get to that point, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll compile all of that stuff into a program called Vellum. Now, Vellum's not free. It's $250. But what it does is it creates your front matter, your chapters, your back matter, all that stuff, and then compiles it into ebook and PDF documents for you to upload to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Draft Digital or Ingram Spark or any of those things. Oh, okay. I'm like taking notes right here because I'm a secretary during the day. <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> scribbling away real quick. This is great information. <laughs> Um, and that's V-U-L-L-U-M. Is that how you spell it? V-E-L-L-U-M. Okay, perfect. But what I've done at that point is, is so I take all of my various first draft pieces and I put them together and I self-edit along the way uh, as I'm transcribing from you know my notebooks and my Word document into Vellum. Uh, so I'm self-editing. I'm, I'm making a few changes here and there. But at the, at the end of that, uh, after I get done transcribing all that into Vellum, I now have essentially a second draft and a really good second draft that I can send off to my editor that he can then read. And so it's, uh, even though it's it's kind of a, it's still kind of a first, quote unquote, first draft, uh, mm -hmm. but it's one that's already been through at least one round of editing. So I love writing on Google Docs because then I like to switch between like my laptop or my iPad because I travel around and I just love to pull that up. Yeah. I can literally probably just copy and paste it or do I have to start on this vellum? No, no. You can copy and paste directly into vellum too. Okay, perfect. I'm going to have to explore it then. I'm, I was always curious about – I hear about um, 
Scribbler, Scribner. Scrivener, yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that one, but I don't, there's just something about a Word document or Google Docs. Like, I don't need all that fancy stuff. Let's keep it simple. Let's get the words on the page. And then I can kind of figure out the nitty gritty details afterwards. But I should probably explore a little bit more platforms than just Google Docs and Word. You know, Scrivener for me is is kind of the same thing. It's it's way too much for me. Um, I found Vellum really easy to use and then compile down to ebook and then paperback formats. Yeah, isn't Scrivener like very much it kind of helps with the plotting? Like it It does. Yeah, yeah. Scrivener is is really good for scene setting and plotting, which actually leads me perfectly into my next question for you is what kind of writer are you? Are you a pantser or are you a plotter? Ooh, I am a little bit of both. I have noticed that I always know how it's going to start and how it's going to end. It's the middle <laughs> I get kind of lost in. Um, so I've, before I used to just be like a pantser and just kind of whatever I felt that day, I would just flow with it. But then I kind of noticed there was some plot holes and there were like information missing. So I've done better at um, making more of like bullet points of where I want the story to lead, but not getting so detail oriented, just like a specific scene, which is going to lead to this and so on and so forth. So a little bit of both, but I would say still more pantser because I am not afraid to pull away from my outline and be like, nope, we are completely changing this. <laughs> but that process has changed over the years for you though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've learned you do have to have somewhat of a plan um, because otherwise I think you will sit down and write and you don't know where you're leading to or what's going to happen next. And hopefully one day, that'd be awesome if I get to that point. But I think a little bit of planning and structure will help you in the long run. That way you don't lose motivation or you don't lose the um, end part of the story. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. You know, for me, it was I started out completely just, you know, my first two books were pantsed completely. I had an idea for the beginning and then didn't really know where it was going to go from there. And I think those first couple of stories, even though, I mean, in hindsight, they're good. There are certain specific like story beats and elements that like anything, you get better as you do it, uh, as you have more repetitions, whether it's exercise uh, or writing. Uh, you learn how to incorporate certain story aspects and beats into your work along the way. So for me now, I don't, I, I still don't call myself a, a plotter. Uh, I'm more of a road mapper. Uh, I kind of know where I'm going and I know what beats I want to hit the, along the way. I just make sure that my characters are reacting to certain, you know, I make sure that, that my characters and situation drive the plot, not the plot dictating what my characters do. Yeah, and that's a really good call out too. Um, I like how you called it a roadmap. That's genius. Very clever. Um, I've been trying to focus more on like character-driven uh, storylines and not so much plot because I love seeing a character develop throughout a storyline and seeing how they start at the beginning and how they evolve into something hopefully better, um, a different version of themselves. And so, yeah, I, I'm, that's something I'm working on. Cause I think before it was very plot driven and now I've been trying to change that around where it's like character driven. So 
Well, your story that you post on your blog, uh, Terrell Tragedy, is is serialized. And I love that because it reminds me a lot of like uh, what Dickens or Dumas would do you know, back in the 1800s with their books where they would post, you know, a chapter a week, uh, you know, in the in the newspaper or something like that. Uh, and that's a very character driven horror story. Where did the idea for this story come from? You know, I can't even think I can pinpoint exactly. I love like haunted homes and creepy, weird stuff. Like I'm very into that. And I think, um, of course, it's based out of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and kind of going off of like those old Victorian homes. Like they're beautiful. And I love driving through old mountain towns and seeing them. And I think that kind of sparked the idea about the home. And I even made sure to make the home as a character itself. And, um, and then the other characters, I think everybody says this, but they kind of come out and speak to you. So once you have an idea or even one character, I feel like the other characters come to fruition. Um, like I'm obsessed about Penny. She's the mother of or like the grandmother of the household. Mm -hmm. And she's just kind of like a retired school teacher who's a little grumpy, a little sassy, and she's been so fun to write. Um, And then with the other characters, I'm kind of waiting for them to resurface and show a little bit more. Um, But little by little with each story, I want to reveal what the secret is. Do you know? I'm curious. Do you have any idea what the secret is? I don't yet. Like I said, I just finished chapter 16 and but and now we're getting to an investigation. So I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Yeah, I know. I put it on pause because I took Nano pretty serious in November. Um, so I have a couple chapters right now. I just need to get back into posting them. But I'm so glad to hear you're reading it. That's That's very exciting for me. So thank you. Well, and what made you decide to, I guess, serialize this on your blog and and post it for free? I want my readers to kind of have a flavor of what my writing is like. Um, So I listened to podcasts that were like, here, sign up for my email and I'll send you like a short um, book series or novella, not book series, a short story series or a novella. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's a great idea. But I think I want to post it more as like a blog and then that's kind of how I'll funnel readers back to look at my story every week. Um, So yeah, just kind of get a flavor of what my writing is like. And then hopefully when I get my two books published, I can be like, Hey, you like this? Here is a link to my Amazon where you can buy these other books. So just trying to think what I can offer for free now and then which will hopefully lead into, you know, the purchasing of my book. You know, in the very first episode of this podcast, Andrew Van Way talked about that, that he offers a short story collection, a novella collection for free on his website, you know, and it has, you know, a bunch of different stories of like the flavors of his writing. You know, if you like sci-fi, you know, there's a story like that in here. If you like horror, there's a story like that in here. Oh, that's a great idea. No, I think you have to offer something, um, I mean, the, these readers don't know who you are except for what you share, you know, through Instagram or through your newsletters. So it's like you need to give them something to kind of earn their trust. Um, and I feel like, you know, offering a signed copy of a book is a great way to do it or just being like, hey, here's 
um, a short story series that I'm developing and growing. So come over here and read it. Um, that way you kind of earn a little bit of a trust and a connection between you and your readers. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said earlier, I mean, the readers these days, I mean, they're, they're reading on a Kindle or on an iPad and they don't care if it comes from, you know, a, a big name publisher. They just want to read good stories. Oh, and there are some fantastic indie authors out there. Like I'm trying, so my goal for um, 2022 is to be a little bit more, um, dive into more indie authors and support them any way that I can. Like I have like a save page on my Instagram of any author who's like, oh, I just published this. And so my goal is to start reading those more often, you know, pay it forward and, um, but the couple that I have read, I'm like, these are fantastic. There are some very talented writers out there. And so it's very exciting to be a part of this um, community because there's some great talent. Well, and when you publish your first novel, uh, what is it called and what is the time frame you're aiming for? So I don't have a definite title. But right now okay. the running title is uh, Kill For Me. And I want to post it before I turn 30. So I'm going to aim for June 1st of 2022. All right. In okay, the meantime. Wow. I, yeah, I spoke it out into existence. Now I feel like, okay, now you got to make it happen. We'll come back. Uh, we'll have you back on in June uh, after it publishes then. Perfect. Maybe I'll be like, okay, wow, that was super easy. Or man, I'm going to that was a trial and error for sure. <laughs> In the meantime, if readers want to follow you, if they want to read the, the Terrell tragedy story that I've been keeping up with on your blog, uh, where can they find you online? Probably the easiest way to find me is through Instagram um, at write KW Davis. So W-R-I-T-E-K-W-D-A-V-I-S, write KW Davis on Instagram. And I have my website right there in my bio. I'm trying to just be more consistent and showing up on Instagram. Um, and I need to do better at marketing my book and stuff. But it's kind of scary to put yourself out there whenever your mom's been the only one who's read it. So <laughs> I'm going to work on that. And, and, and moms can either be our greatest cheerleaders or our greatest critics. Yes, exactly. Just like we talked about at the beginning. Well, KW, thank you so much for joining me today. I really look forward to that, that book, uh, Kill For Me, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, out in June. Yes. We are, like I said, I spoke it out into existence, and now I've got to make it happen. The pressure's on now. Before I let you go, the last question I ask every guest is this. After your book comes out, you're going to have somebody come up to you, and they're going to say to you, KW, oh my gosh, your book is amazing. I love it. You're my new favorite author. And here's the thing. I have story ideas. How do I get started? How do I get my book out there? What kind of advice would you have for that aspiring author who wants to write a book? Mm. Good question. I would say <laughs> mute everybody else out and listen to that little voice inside you and write to that voice and write to that person and that story that you want to create because everybody has a story and every story does matter. Um, so I would say that. And then I would also say that a little each day or nearly every day goes a long way. So make sure you have that writing process that you sit down and you write because you can't publish 
a blank page. So you need to spend the time, figure out the word count that works for you, and then show up for yourself every single time and get those words on the page. Fantastic. Again, KW, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I had so much fun. I appreciate it. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much to K.W. Davis for coming on to talk about her stories and the wisdom she has to share with prospective and aspiring authors. Her story, Terrell Tragedy, is live on her website, writekwdavis.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Indie Author Method podcast. Please give us five-star reviews, share the show with your friends, and if you're an indie author, I would love to hear from you. My email address is in the show notes, so feel free to send me a line. Also, be sure to check out our our sponsors this week, Boardwalk T-Shirts and Bookshop.org. A link to those stores will be included in the show notes as well. Find the Indie Author Method podcast wherever you get your shows and keep writing. This is Andrew J. Brandt signing off.